Hi friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional, turned career coach, Forbes blogger, speaker, and now author of my own career book that has just released for pre-order on Amazon. You can probably guess the name as it's also called U-Turn, spelled Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. This book is all about getting unstuck, discovering your direction, and designing your dream career. I created the U-Turn Podcast and wrote the U-Turn book with this goal of helping you reconnect to who you truly are and upgrading your confidence in work and in love. So if you're looking to get even more clarity beyond the podcast and even the book on where you belong in the workforce or you want to make a career pivot or just explore your purpose overall, we have a brand new free quiz to help you out with that. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com if you want to take it. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com for the free quiz. Also, I'm really excited to finally let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Organifi. I have fallen so in love with their smoothie protein, their chocolate, their vanilla, and also their green juice drink. I have both of these products every single day. And after years of declining and dodging sponsorship, because I didn't want to feel sticky promoting something to you, I decided that their products were so good, so transformative for my health and my morning routine that I reached out to them and asked if they wanted to sponsor the U-Turn show. So if you are inspired to upgrade your health during these uncertain times and you want products to add into your routine throughout the day, I just can't recommend them enough. I was able to get you a discount code for 15% off when you check out. All you gotta do is head on over to Organifi.com backslash U-Turn. It's spelled Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash Y-O-U, T-U-R-N. Make sure you enter the code U-Turn at checkout on their website. And now let's dive in to this week's episode. Our skills are different than our identity. Our identity is at the core of who we are. And I believe that our identity is one who is inspired, breathed into life by the divine. That's what that, that word inspiration literally means is to be breathed into life. And there's this sense of that the divine is the one who is doing the the breathing, that you are whole and complete just as you are. You don't need to do or be anything else to be loved or enough. You are enough. And so if, if I start to embrace that, if I embrace that true identity, then all of a sudden my behaviors and skills start to have the opportunity to shift and come into alignment with that identity. And that's when the things outside of me start to change. Once I embrace that identity, then I can bring the skills and my behaviors into alignment. What's going on, U-Turn friends? I have a special person here on the podcast for you, and it's David Trotter, and he is a well-known author, podcaster, here to help women get unstuck. He's the host of Inspiration Rising, which is his podcast to inspire women and the men who support them to rise up in life, love, and leadership. And for more than 25 years, he's helped people get unstuck, clarify their goals, and get to their next level, whether it's leadership, speaking, books, filmmaking, And I'm just so excited about his book, Empower to Rise, which I'm planning on reading and haven't yet gotten to. And I'm sure just based on our initial conversation that I'm going to want to read even more. And so will you, David, thank you for being here on the U-Turn podcast. Thank you, Ashley. It's an honor to be with you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's funny. Right before we hit the record button, I was like, okay, he has some thoughts that are going to give me my little afternoon pick me up. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I know that you do a lot of work focused on love specifically, although it seems like your work goes across the board. What is it about love or um, worthiness that has drawn you in? Well, I think, you know, it's my own experience, my own challenges in life of feeling loved, feeling enough. And we oftentimes teach on or bring to the surface the things that we need most in our own lives. And so of all the things that I talk about, 
you know, in my work, the idea that you are enough, boy, people really, they really clamor to want to hear that because so many of us, including myself, can feel like I'm not enough. And when I'm not enough, then somehow we correlate that I'm not loved to that, right? That somehow my enoughness means that I'm accepted, I'm okay, I'm loved by those around me or the people that I'm seeking to get their approval, you know? And and uh, so my own journey, that really is what has led me here. Yeah, it's really um, probably, I, I'm guessing one of the most common thoughts is I'm not good enough and people will think they're good enough and they'll act like they're good enough, but then sometimes that's fueled by the actual belief that they're not good enough and that's what's right. overcompensate. So it's yes. kind of a little bit of a chicken egg spiral uh, situation. And I'm curious, like when somebody wants to feel good enough, because I mean, ultimately we all just get sick of that feeling, I'm sure at some point or another. What message would you have or what step could somebody take to get started and shifting this narrative in their head that they're not good enough for something or someone? Yeah, the first is to, for me, I help people realize that 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 sense of being not good enough has actually become part of their identity. And it's such a steep, resounding voice in their head that that it just goes with them everywhere. And oftentimes they don't even realize that they're projecting that to the people around them. And so we begin to look and go, okay, what, what are the ways that perhaps you've even crafted an identity to make yourself feel like you're enough or present your enoughness to the world? So uh, for me personally, the way that I did that was through working and achievement and performance. So by the time I was a junior in college, I was taking classes for a simultaneous master's. I got married in between my junior and senior year of college. I was working for Nabisco, you know, putting cookies and crackers on the shelves. I was a teacher's assistant and I was the head photographer for our yearbook and newspaper all in the same year. It was just a recipe for burnout. And all of that was, was a way of crafting an identity that I was enough. All these external things that I was using to prop myself up. And so even as, you know, people are listening now, it may be good to think about, man, what are the ways that I've crafted an identity to fill that hole of not enoughness inside of you? If you have that not saying that you do, but it is common. A lot of us do. And so that can be um, our education, socioeconomic background, our expertise, our physical looks and attractiveness, the uh, plastic surgery that we get in order to rectify or change some part of our body in order to feel like now we're enough, beautiful enough, smart enough, um, powerful enough. Uh, It could be the people that you associate with. It could be the car that you drive, the home where you live, the, the clothes that you wear, all of those things we utilize to prop ourselves up and feel like we're enough. Now, all of those things, there's not anything wrong with those things. It's like those things can be a beautiful addition to our life. But if those are the things that we use to craft our identity Then when those things go away for whatever reason, we're left asking the question, well, geez, who am I, Mm -hmm. right? I lost this job. I was an investment banker. I was an expert in whatever it might be. Um, For me, uh, I actually was a pastor for over a decade, and I I walked away from that, um, from some unhealthy choices. And then I had to ask the question, well, who am I now, Ashley, if I'm not a pastor? I mean, and that, that is a, that is a title that becomes quickly enmeshed in your, you know, your being, you know, well, who am I now? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the case with um, so many things in our world. Even now, as we're going through this pandemic, perhaps you've lost um, some income and now you can't afford that car, can't afford that cool, you know, apartment or house or condo or whatever it might be, or those new clothes, or the new style or the new, well, who are you if you don't have those things? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the question that we p- propose. And then that's where the deep work starts to come in. Beautiful. Okay. And I know that a lot of people are staying stuck somewhere because they are afraid of that very experience of who am I without this thing? 
And, um, it's interesting, like watching friends or even myself, like in dating or in life in general, just using what you do as like a, a mask to, to keep yourself from being really vulnerable mm-hmm. and really looking at who you are. Um, what, what step can somebody take to start really owning like their being beyond all of that? Because I think I kind of came into the planet curious about all of that. Like, how do I dis- disassociate from all of these titles because they feel really limiting to me? Mm-hmm. And I feel like a really multifaceted, multi-passionate person who wants to try a lot of things on. Like, after my career yeah. book comes out, I want to write a poetry collection, and then I want to have a fashion line, and I just have a lot of different interests that I want to pursue. And it, yeah. it's interesting, you know, how people see their career as like a straight line. Um, what message can or what message do you have or what step can somebody take to get closer to who they are beyond all of that? Most of the time, people are more open to this conversation when there has been a sense of loss. So it's in that moment of loss that we're open. When things are going good, Ashley, it's like, I don't need to talk about that. I'm 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 good, right? My career's going good, my relationships are going good, my physical you know, health is going good. It's when there's a loss, when there's a challenge, that's most of the time when someone comes to me and starts to process through this. So we first look at, well, how did you um, try to create an identity in the beginning? And then um, I go to the place that I know is, that I know best, I should say. Um, and that is the spiritual realm, something beyond the present tangible world. I have a background, obviously, in Christianity. My uh, beliefs have expanded beyond that in the last decade. But I have a belief that there is a divine being. A uh, You can call that being universe, God, goddess, Jesus, Jehovah, Allah, whatever it might be. And I believe that that divine being created us. I'm not sure how that all had all that all happened, how creation. But I do believe that we came from a higher power. And so if that being is love, and I believe that is the case, that the, that the divine being behind our universe is the embodiment of love, and I was created by that divine being, then that means that I am love. I not only have been created by love, but I have part of that divine love within me. And um, that means that uh, there is a sense of wholeness within me. The story that um, really comes to mind in this moment is my my grandfather. He's since passed away, but after 30 years in the military, he, uh, he retired master chief in the Navy, and then he opened up a little wood shop, little in his in his woodworking shop in his garage, one car garage in San Diego, California. And I grew up in Kentucky and I'd come down to, uh, down to San Diego to visit him. And he'd let me work with him in his wood shop. I'm in my office right now looking at an oak roll top desk, huge desk, oak bookcase. Um, he's made a bread box and cradle and all sorts of things. And he's made these items for just the family members, the two, uh, his son, my dad, and uh, his daughter and the grandkids. He never sold these items, but he, he, he handcrafted them all. He had a vision for them. He created them. And at the very end of the process, before they left his little one uh, car gar- garage wood shop, he would turn it over to uh, the backside and he would stamp with a, a wood burning stamp handcrafted by Erskine Trotter. And you kind of have to look for it to see it. But you know, this was his way of saying, this piece of furniture was made by me. My fingerprints are all over it. It's done. It's whole. It's complete. It's exa- It's the way that I want it to be. Uh, he didn't sell any of his furniture. He only gave it as gifts to uh, family members. And in the same way, I believe that the divine has placed an imprint on every one of our lives. You you don't see it on the outside, right? We cover it with, you know, these awesome clothes and the cars and the education and the socioeconomic background and all the things that we use to kind of put up a front. But deep within, there is an imprint that the divine has placed within you. It It, it is in a mark that indicates that the divine's fingerprints are all on your life, that you've been fashioned and shaped, and you're so beautiful and perfect and whole and enough 
as your identity. Now we're all growing in our skills, Ashley. We're already we always getting um, better and better in different skills, and but that's different. Our skills are different than our identity. Our identity is at the core of who we are, and I believe that our identity is one who is inspired, breathed into life by the divine. That's what that that word inspiration literally means: is to be breathed into life. Mm. And there's this sense of that the divine is the one who is doing the, the breathing, that you are whole and complete just as you are. You don't need to do or be anything else to be loved or enough. You are enough. You have that divine imprint. And so if if I start to embrace that, if I embrace that true identity, then all of a sudden my behaviors and skills start to uh, have the opportunity to shift and come into alignment with that identity. And that's when the things outside of me start to change. Once I embrace that identity, then I can bring the skills and my behaviors into alignment. Mm, I love this. And it just feels so clear. Like, I know a lot of people struggle to kind of even feel like they're good enough for like that dream of like what they want to embody or who they actually want to be in the world, even though they're bigger than all of those things. Do you have any insight on how somebody could start to actually tune into what they're really meant for or what feels right for them? Yeah. Well, once, once you begin to embrace that sense of wholeness, then I believe that your heart is available to do that explore, exploratory work. When we don't feel like we're enough, our hearts and our minds are consumed with trying to find things to make us feel enough. But once we embrace that enoughness, now our heart is open to explore new things, uh, to explore ways in which we can use our gifts and talents. And, and as you know, there's there are tons of assessments, ways that we can look at what we're good at, things that we're passionate about, ways that our life, life has been uniquely shaped, that our life story to bring us to a different place. I love to help people go through a visualization where they're able to explore the things in their heart and allow those things to travel from their heart up into their mind's eye in order to get a mental picture. And, and those things oftentimes are so buried within us because we've, we've stopped dreaming. If we've been told no for so long, whether it's, no, you're not going to get this job. No, you don't even get a call back. No, you just run resume after another. It's like, well, what am I, what am I doing? I, you know, it feels like I, I quit dreaming because I've had so many disappointments or unmet expectations. What I love to help clients do is ask two simple words that form one little question. And the question is, what if? Not what if I would have gotten that job? What if I wouldn't have you know, gotten married? What if I wouldn't have moved away from home? What if I wouldn't have gone to this college? No, no, no. That's a, that's a backwards looking what if. I like the forwards looking what if. That forward looking what if says, what if I could have any job? What would it be? Mm. What if I could start any business? What would I want to do? What if I could start a nonprofit or work for a nonprofit what would that what what group of people would I like to help? And so if we can start to ask what if, that's like massaging our hearts mm. and then allows that thing that's buried deep within our heart to travel up into our mind's eye and we start to get a visual picture. Mm. I, I call that. it a vision. The vision that you start to get in your mind's eye is a mental picture of your preferable future. Mm. So I've been watching this um, documentary. I, you know, I'm not a big sports guy, but I got hooked on this documentary on Netflix or no, it's on ESPN called The Last Dance about the Bulls and Michael Jordan. Have you heard about this, Ashley, at all? No, no but it feels like it's about to be good. <laughs> it's, it's this huge documentary. I think it's like a 10 episodes and it's all about the Bulls during the Michael Jordan, you know, kind of reign. It's not, I'm not even like a big, you know, NBA guy, but I've just gotten hooked into it. And one of the things that is so profound about Jordan and other successful athletes is the their ability to create a vision or a mental picture of what they want to happen. And so even hearing about how athletes will lay in bed and shoot free throws in their mind's eye, uh, just so that they can see it keep going in and in and in, 
And that's what we need to do. Once we start asking the what if and get that vision from our hearts up into our mind's eye, we start to visualize it. That's a mental picture of your preferable future, what you want to see. Once you see it, once you see it and you can feel it, now you've got the chance to move toward it. But until you can see it, then oftentimes it just feels like we're just kind of bumping around in the dark, trying to find that next thing that we hope will help us land that job or develop that relationship or whatever it is. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I, I love this idea of like, not like totally fantasying, but just like the curiosity of like, what if I could be this and what would it look like? Yes. Like opening yes. up the for that. Um, is there any way that you can help people tap into like, what even to imagine? Because I find that when people are really blocked, it's almost like they don't even know what, what if question to ask themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, what if I could be someone like Madonna? What would that look like? You know, I, I don't know. It's like, it almost feels like an intimidating question for some people, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, a number of questions come to mind that can just be tools of exploration. A common question that's used is, what if you had a billion dollars? How would you utilize it in order to make the world a better place? How would you utilize that money? It's unlimited resources that you would have. And they're like, oh, I'd sit on a beach. Well, that doesn't really help the universe, right? You know? <laughs> what what yeah. would you do to somehow bring benefit? And so then all of a sudden people start going, well, you know, I've always wanted to, you know, work at creating this uh, hybrid car that would, you know, reduce admissions or whatever. Or maybe it's starting this nonprofit or, you know, who knows what it is. Um, that's one question that I love to ask people. Another one is, um, what part of your heart is most alive? If you were to get real quiet and tune into your heart, is there a part that is more alive? Um, and that could be toward, um, relationships or people, uh, it could be toward animals, um, it's just an exploration process. It's a process of curiosity. And so any question that you can ask yourself to go down that path, another question I like to ask people is, um, let's talk about your life, your childhood, you know, the things that you did that were uh, interesting to you. One thing that I don't know why I did this, Ashley, but when I was a kid, I was an only child and I would grab a piece of paper and I would draw my room in the most uh, effective or creative way that I could move all the furniture around. And I would move the furniture around every couple of months and I would draw it out and sketch it out beforehand. Who does that? That's just weird. <laughs> right? That's just weird. That's great. But that really tells, that could tell somebody a lot about me. You know, there's this creative side, but also an analytical side. And I can use that to go, okay, how can I use that to move forward in whatever career entrepreneurial endeavor I want to do? So there's no one question that will lead someone to that place in their heart. It is a process of exploration. I have found that what if starts to open things up, mm -hmm. um, even, even, um, one of the ways that I try to help clients massage their heart is asking that question, what if about things where there's a low bar? If I'm asking the question, what if about my career or a business, sometimes for people, it's like, whoa, that's, this is scary. You know, this feels like, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, they start editing out all the possible options all already because I wouldn't know how to do that. And so I start to go, okay, let's talk about your clothing. What if you went and bought something that was a little unique or different that maybe would take a little courage to wear. What if you did that? What would that feel like? Mm -hmm. What if you read a book or listened to music or listened to a podcast that you wouldn't normally listen to? Would you be open to that? Would that allow you to expand your heart, kind of massage it? What if you went out to dinner at a restaurant, perhaps with some food that would be unique to you, something a first time? What if you saw a foreign film? What if you talked to a stranger on the street and asked them about their life? See how, see where this goes. It's like the bar is, um, the bar of quote unquote failure, right? There is no failure. It's just exploration. 
And as we're exploring, it starts to open our heart up to new possibilities for our entire life. Beautiful. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but if you're anything like me working from home, this quarantine has got you craving some structure, and I have gotten so much out of committing to a morning routine. And for me, that's looked like burning some Palo Santo every morning, sipping some coffee while I'm journaling, and of course, making my daily protein shake with Organifi's vanilla protein powder. I just put a scoop of their vanilla protein, frozen organic strawberries, half a frozen banana, and coconut milk into the blender, and boom, that little candy addicted five-year-old living inside of me gets so happy feeling like she started her workday with what tastes like a vanilla milkshake with strawberries in it. So if you follow me on the gram, you know that even when I try to eat healthy, I tend to have little snacksidents and that's why I am so grateful that Organifi is now sponsoring the U-Turn podcast. It is such a milestone for us to have them supporting the show and I'm pretty sure that without their super healthy protein powder, I'd be lacking in my morning routine. So if you're looking for some consistency, and some structure in your diet. I am really in love with their products, which is why we wanted to get you hooked up with a discount when you go to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N for 15% off. Now let's get back to the episode. kind of going back to this not good enough thing like I know that that appears a lot for people in their love life and also like it projects out to other people like for example David like before I found the right person and you know now we have a whole life together before him I remember dating somebody who it was almost like nobody else was good enough and eventually I kind of asked myself like do you think you're good enough or is this just a mask do you know what I mean like that insecurity of like they're not good enough they're not good enough they're not good enough and a lot of judgment on on the outside world and it wasn't until later into the relationship I realized that he really didn't feel like he was good enough and he was holding the world to this high standard that he was holding mm-hmm. himself to. Right. Um, as it relates to love, um, what message or insight can we give people who are feeling really um, discouraged when they kind of tune into the fact that they don't feel good enough for finding the right person or they don't, or maybe they have somebody and and the reason they chose them is because they didn't feel good enough for who they actually want. You know what I mean? Yeah. They settled perhaps. Yeah. 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 There is a, a deep need for us to love ourselves. And uh, then we have a high bar of making sure that other people treat us well and honor our bodies and honor our minds and honor our spirituality. It it does start with us, that it's cultivating that love for ourselves. Um, And without that, then we're oftentimes, and this, this, this feels so hard to say, Ashley, but we're looking for someone else to fill that hole for us. Yeah. We're, we're looking for someone else to tell us, Okay. Um, wow. If Ashley, if Ashley likes me, if Ashley loves me, then, then I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to two whole beings coming together. Now I got married Ashley when I was 21 and I'm getting ready two days from now to celebrate my 26th wedding anniversary. Wow. Happy anniversary. That's great. Thank you. Quarantine together and nothing tells you that you married the right person quite like a long quarantine. <laughs> well, we've had we've had quite a few ups and downs and twists and turns over that 26 years. Um, but you know, um y- you know, you go, well, best case scenario, I'm a whole person and they're a whole person. Mm-hmm. Eh, my wife and I have changed so much over the 27 years that we've known each other. I mean, we are radically different people. And so we're always growing ourselves, but we're also having grace for the other person. And so in that, those beginning months and years, there's so many hormones and excitement and energy and, you know, there's like this uh, honeymoon phase, obviously that can last maybe one to two years. And then it's like, is this person willing to work on themselves? Is this person willing to explore their own life? Because that's, my kids are um, 20 and 17. And we have a lot of conversations, Ashley, about, okay, you want to look for somebody 
who's willing to do the work in their own life. Because if they're not willing to do that, then they're not going to be willing to do the work in the relationship. Because it always starts with your own individual life. I can't change my wife. I can't change her. The only thing I can change is myself. And so if she's not willing to be doing the work simultaneously, it's it's hard, right? That's probably not going to be a good fit for a a long-term relationship, no matter how much you have in common, no matter if you love the same band or sports team or, you know, you're (laughs) on track or you have the right money goals or you'd raise the right kid. If that person's not willing to work on themselves psychologically, therapeutically, personal growth, that's not probably somebody that I'd want to, you know, hitch my wagon to, to use an old phrase. Yeah, that's an amazing old phrase. That sounds like an old hitch your wagon to. That's like, <laughs> that's like, David, you're, you're revealing your, where you're at in life right now. That's funny. Come on. You got to admit, that's a funny phrase. I, I don't even know if I've ever used it, but it came, to my, it came to my mind and it's like, maybe that's just like a deep down part of my Kentucky roots. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's like wagon my, that. my relationship with Kentucky is Kentucky fried chicken and it's a very positive one. So oh. you just keep pitching your thing to another person. I love Kentucky fried chicken. Yeah. I, I jokingly tell my kids, I go, um, there's two things you want to look for in a spouse. Um, there's two very important things. One is, do they give good massages and can they make great homemade popcorn? Those are the two things I'm telling you, that's the key to a relationship. That is beautiful. You know, relationships are so much simpler, I think. And it's, it's interesting when relationships get really complicated. My, my own personal experience with love is like, oh, if it's that complicated, like does love have to be that complicated? Can't it just be love? What do you believe about complications with relationships and just disconnect in general as somebody who's been married for so long and studied worthiness in the way you have, like what message do you have for that person who's constantly in a, it's complicated situation or challenging love life. It goes back to, are you working your own stuff? Are you aware of your own history from your family of origin? Are you aware and becoming more and more aware of how your history has shaped you, both nature and nurture? You have certain elements of your personality that have been there that you didn't ask for. They're part of your chemical makeup. I am Ashley, a very direct, intense, passionate person. I'm equally goofy and playful as you have heard. Hit your wagon. Come on. Uh, I'm uh, people, people, when they first meet me, they go, God, you remind me so much of Will Ferrell. I'm like, why couldn't it be Brad Pitt? I don't understand this. This is God all the time. Will Ferrell. Brad Pitt doesn't pitch his wagon or hitch his wagon. (laughs) That's true. Everybody wants to hitch their wagon to him, though. Yeah. And so, uh, so uh, you know, I'm equally as playful and equal as intense. I didn't ask for that, right? I didn't, I didn't cultivate that. That's just part of who I am from the very beginning. But I am responsible for figuring out how I can leverage that to be very helpful. And I'm also responsible for finding out how that can be very unhelpful or unhealthy in relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I am responsible for that. I have to do the work that's lifetime work, right? Of that nature part of me, but also the nurture part of me that I grew up a certain way with a certain family. All right. I got to be aware of that. And that means that whoever I'm in a relationship with, obviously my spouse, but also the people that I'm working closely with coworkers or partners or teammates, whatever, I have to be aware they have a component of them that they, it's part of their innate personality. They're part of their life. And they also have a certain upbringing. They have certain values. If I'm not aware of that in my own life, and if the people that are around me aren't aware of that, that's going to create friction. I, I actually counsel couples uh, regular. And when that is not there, it is it is basically just like... Um, a friction waiting to happen. And if they're not skills, what was, what was the thing you said when that's not there, what's the thing that's not there? When, when, um, when there's not a self awareness, when there's not emotional intelligence, when there's not, uh, a, and a willingness to work on it, when that, when that is not there, 
it is just the recipe for friction because yeah. it, it becomes, well, that's not how I see it. It's like, okay, well, there, is there another way of possibly see? Well, yeah, but this is the right way. I mean, this is how I was brought up. This is how everybody that I know sees this issue. It's like, okay, well, there possibly could be others. No, <laughs> you know, right. And that, that's, that's how a lot of relationships go down. And whoever's the strongest one ends up gaining power, which could be a man or a woman. And then the, the weaker one in terms of personality. And I have found that in every relationship, there's one person who's stronger in that intensity and one that's more passive. And the passive person ends up becoming very resentful and oftentimes passive aggressive. And then you've got just a mess on your hands. You got to be aware of your own nature, how you operate in the world, and also how you've been nurtured, the value system from which you've been uh, brought up. And as you become aware of that, how does that intersect with the people, potentially somebody that you're going to be with for a long time, you know, and looking at their family, you know, there are people that you may want to date and their family is jacked up. Well, I, believe me, they didn't come from that family not jacked up. Like they've got those challenges. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't love them or be with them. Just going into it knowing, oh, okay, this family sees things this way. This is how this person's been raised. That's going to be an issue. Are you willing to talk about it? Are you willing to wrestle through it and see how it impacts your relationship? Mm, you know, I love what you're saying because this is one of those enigmas where like you might fall in love with somebody, but they, with them comes their family and, and you might just have some challenges in genuinely understanding it because you and I talked about identity, but you, you hit on something, David, that I absolutely love. And it's this concept I actually talk about in my book, U-Turn, and it doesn't come out until January, 2021, but it's an early, early into the book. I talk about this idea that I call core nature and how everybody has a different core nature, a different essence that you know, it's kind of like they bring something to the room specifically, uniquely, that's them. Um, and it's like an energy and usually it's a huge foundation for your career. And so one of the chapters in the U-turn book is just there to help people figure out what is their core nature? How do they impact the room? And what does that mean for their career? And you brought it up so nicely talking about how, you know, if we strip all of these identities from ourselves, you're still kind of like Will Ferrell, telling our weird hitch, hitch joke, whatever you said. <laughs> and so um, that, that's just such a beautiful point. And also the receptivity. And one thing that you had, uh, that I'd kind of just talked to your team and saw that you talk about is this idea of superpowers and how we should use our superpowers with others and for the sake of others. I'm curious what you mean by you talk when talking about superpowers um, and how somebody can figure out what theirs is. Yeah. So the book Empowered to Rise is based on a manifesto that I wrote for my community, the Inspiration Rising community. I wanted them to have a manifesto to know this is my heart. This is where I want us to be headed in terms of our values. And one of the lines from that manifesto is my life story, wiring and strengths are my superpowers, and I'm learning to use them with others and for the sake of others. So In uh, my coaching program, I help people through those three areas to learn their superpowers, their life story, their wiring, and their strengths. So their life story, every one of us has a different path that we've taken in life. And based on the highs and lows of your life, you will have superpowers that you have developed. So uh, for instance, Ashley, you have, uh, you're known for your career, right? In terms of uh, intelligence or uh, anti-terrorism. Well, that's part of your life story, right? That's a part of what you bring to the table. And because of that, you have a superpower in that area that I don't have. I have Mm -hmm. things that I've been through in my life story that you have an experience. And it's not about comparing. I'm just pointing out that we all have a different life story. And as we look at our life story and the twists and turns and ups and downs that we've gone through, um, we will recognize, oh, okay, that's unique to me. You may see it as normal. Well, that's just my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something very unique to you because you experienced it in a tremendous way. Like, for instance, I moved when I was 16 from Kentucky to California with my parents. My dad worked for the government at the time. We got a transfer. I moved at 16 with a Southern accent 
and I'm asking girls out to the prom saying, hey, you want to hitch your wagon to me? I'm kidding. Of course, I didn't say that. Uh, but I, Why but, not? Talk to you, every, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that part of my life, that was very painful, very challenging. It, it shaped me, though, in a way that, uh, that gave me a resilience and an ability to go through big changes. That's part of a superpower that I have because of my life story. Okay. Uh, same thing with your wiring. I use the term wiring um, because I think the term personality is kind of overused, but that's what I mean by it, that we all have a unique way that we are wired. And there are lots of great assessments. As you know, I'm an INTJ and the Myers-Briggs. I'm a one on the Enneagram. You know, there's all those awesome tools and those are very common. The third though, is your strengths. And uh, I assume, Ashley, are you familiar with the Clifton strengths, the strength finders material? Yes. Yes. Okay. The Gallup organization developed this material. It's now, it's gone through some iterations, different names. It's called Clifton Strengths now. And the book on Amazon is now Discover Your Strengths. And they have, I think it's 36, 34 different strengths. Take an assessment. It gives you your top five strengths. And a lot of people, if they haven't been in a corporate culture, they have not taken this assessment. And it has been very helpful, even among, uh, you know, my family and people that I work with. My top five strengths are, uh, uh, competition. I love to always be getting better and better. Uh, futuristic. I can see things into the future that other people can't necessarily see. Command. If there's a lack of leadership, I'm going to probably just step in. If they're uh, activator, that's my fourth one. If there's a need to get something done, I'm the guy. And then fifth is input. I love to ask input and get input from others. And so I start to see, wow, okay, those are superpowers. That's not just something that's kind of... Uh, comes natural to me, like, oh, it's no big deal. And that's what a lot of people say. Oh, it's no big deal. No, 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 no. You got to embrace, you got to embrace your life story, embrace your wiring, embrace your strengths to go, those are unique to you. And how do you leverage those as you're seeking that job, as you're seeking that promotion, as you're seeking to start a business? Now, I, the, the second line of that in the manifesto is I'm learning to use them with others for the sake of others. I have a tendency because of my personality to want to do things alone. Okay. And so I include, I wrote, I wrote this thing for me, Ashley, if I'm writing it, I got to write something that I'm going to read every day. And so <laughs> I want to learn to use these superpowers with others because if I work with others, it's going to challenge me to keep getting better and better in my relationships, in my uh, collaboration, in my teamwork and for the sake of others. I have found that we are more motivated to do great things in the world if we are doing and using our superpowers, not just for me, not for my benefit, but for the sake of the benefit of others. And yes, I'm getting a paycheck. Yes, I'm growing the business. Yeah, I'd like to, you know, increase revenue. I'd like to increase stock valuation, whatever it might be. But how am I making a difference in the world? Mm -hmm. That gives me great meaning and purpose. And gets me out of bed in the morning. And so that's why I challenge people to do that. Mm, I love this. And um, I know for me, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I always had an affinity for the broken bird kind of personality on the school ground. Like, yeah, didn't have friends or whatever. And I've always found a way to connect and like make people feel normal if, the, if there's such a thing. And I didn't really realize that until so much later in my life where I'm writing a book to do that, basically. Yeah. And so I hope that anybody listening kind of can ask, and, and those of you who are listening and maybe you don't know what your superpower is, like maybe be, consider asking friends around you, like, what do you think I'm brilliant at? And you might get surprised by the responses. Do you have any recommendations for people to go even deeper in figuring out what those things are? Uh, well, those assessments that we talked about. So one is... Um, the Myers-Briggs, that's an interesting assessment. The Enneagram, that's interesting. The um, uh, Cl Clifton Strengths, the Strength Finders, that book, Now Discover Your Strengths, super helpful. Um, of course, my book, the, there's a you know big section of the book is helping you do that, is uh, looking at your life story and processing through that. Uh, so that book is obviously Empowered to Rise. And... Um, yeah. I mean, there's all of those resources. Another question. I love that you said that. Ask a friend. What do you think I'm brilliant at? 
I, I saw this question the other day. I don't remember if it was on it's probably social media or something. And somebody said, if you want to know what you're really good at, ask somebody, if I were to give a TED talk, what would you suggest the topic would be? And make sure they're, you know, after they laugh, you know, like, what is your TED talk? I, no, 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 seriously. What would, if I were to give a TED talk, what would the topic be? And it'd be interesting to hear what people would say. That is a really cool prompt. So, I mean, I could talk to you for a while. You have so many things to say. What have I not asked you that you feel like is perhaps a zone of genius for you that I should be thinking about asking you? Mm. What is the absolute key to all of this? The number one thing. Yeah, tell me. Okay. The number one key is the word intention. It's all about intentionality. If you're living a dissatisfied life, if you're dissatisfied with your career, if you're dissatisfied with your relationships, if you're dissatisfied with your physical health, your finances, your spirituality, whatever it might be, it is most likely because there is a lack of intentionality. And so I would then challenge you to go, what does it look like to raise your level of intentionality in that area of your life? What does it look like to become more focused, to to set, uh, to get a vision for that area of your life, to develop a mental picture, to ask the, what if, what if I could have this area of my life, the way I want it to be, what would it look like now that you've got that mental picture? What is a, what are some goals that would help move you toward that mental picture? What are the action steps? What are the timelines? You know, if without that level of intentionality, things are going to be the same or worse a year from now mm. that they are now, right? It, 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 the whole focus is on intentionality. Beautiful. And where, I mean, where can everybody keep learning from you? Where do you feel is like the best place for people to really kind of steep in all of this wisdom that you've been sharing? Our website is insporising.com, I-N-S-P-O-R-I-S-I-N-G.com. And uh, have 115 plus podcast episodes there. And there's a book and some resources and courses and free, you know, free material. And of course, all the podcast, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, social media links are there on our website as well, insporising.com. Perfect. Thank you again for being here. It's great to be with you. Hey guys, it's Ash here just reflecting on the episode with David Trotter. And I love that we started off the conversation around feeling worthy and feeling good enough. And it made me think a lot about Uh, a quote that I read today that I thought was so powerful and so poignant. And I wanted to share it with you. And it says, sometimes what is meant for you can't find you simply because you aren't being yourself. And this is the premise of all of the work I'm doing. This is the premise of the book I'm writing. What's meant for you can't find you when you're not being you. It's just common sense. If you're the type of person, for example, who loves uh, jogging and maybe the love of your life is somebody you're supposed to meet while you're out jogging. If you're not being that person, you're never going to find what's for you. And and so I find that this is probably one of the biggest barriers for, for people really feeling like they're doing something in the world that they're excited to be doing, that they want to be doing, is that they're not allowing themselves or giving themselves permission to feel worthy as they are um, for who they are so that they can go out there and claim those hobbies or claim that job that they really want or claim that partnership. So I would love to ask you right now, where are you not being yourself? Where are you out of sorts? Where are you pretending? It's funny. Um, I was just talking to my best friend, Nicole Naupavar, and I feel like you guys hear me talk about her all the time. She's a therapist in Los Angeles. And we were talking about how she was in the seminar and the person talked about how important it is to find your people. And she said, you know, when you're around your people, when it's just really easy and you're not thinking and you're not putting out any effort and you're just having a good time and connecting, you don't have to think that much. You don't have to try that much. And when I'm not around my people, I I use a verb and it's called peopling. I don't even think that's a real word, but sometimes if a friend says like, how was the party? I'm like, Oh, I was peopling a little bit too hard. Meaning like they weren't my people. I was like trying too hard to bond or connect and they didn't get me or they didn't see me. And sometimes I actually feel that a lot in my extended family, like I'm peopling a little bit. 
And what I learned over time, and obviously this isn't the case with family, you, you know, you accept and love your family, but is that with random people, I just realize now when I'm exerting a lot of effort, when I'm trying to make it work, when I'm kind of like squeezing it out, that's just not my people. And I think when you give yourself permission to only be around your people, when you give yourself permission to be yourself, that's what happens. I mean, you can't attract people that are meant for you if you're not standing in who you truly are. Instead, you're people pleasing or you're, you're trying to exchange, um, you know, giving to somebody for their love or validation of you. It's like, that is so exhausting. So my question for you is, is there anybody in your life that you're peopling a little bit too hard with? Um, where are you not giving yourself permission to fully be yourself? And maybe you want to journal after this and just write down like, why aren't I being myself with and whatever the situation is? Like, what are the beliefs you have that are keeping you from being you? And how can you forgive yourself for holding on to those so that you can start giving yourself permission to be you and start attracting and finding the things that happen only when you're standing in your lane of the of the road, which is, I think, the most important lane there is for you. So sending you good energy. Um, really love this conversation and uh, take care. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. If any of our guests mention any resource that you're interested in, you can head on over to ashleystall.com and press the podcast tab to see any show notes. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. On that page, you're also going to see our brand new free quiz, helping you discover which career path you're actually meant for. It's followed by tons of content-packed emails about your personality in the work and of course we just can't thank you enough for your written reviews these reviews mean a lot for our show to keep getting out there so if you ever send me a dm on the gram and i'm so grateful that you have i would love it if you would copy and paste that into the podcast app of your smartphone as a written review it would mean so much for us over here at the show thanks again for being here and i can't wait to connect with you next week This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.